Welcome to episode 19 of the show, it's the Original Judo Podcast. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. Got a great interview for you in just a moment. First we're going to chat about some of the, I guess, items of judo news that have come up. Chris is going to be back hopefully in the next couple of weeks and we'll do a little preview of the year ahead. We're at the start of an Olympic qualification year, so potentially when that all kicks off in, in May, we might see numbers in, in the competition starting to rise and I guess the challenge for everybody is uh, going to be the tournaments do get that much harder in qualification years. So I guess the big news is that the new rule set has been uh, well formally announced and tested in uh, Tunisia, Tunisia Grand Prix. I guess I'm not sure what to make of it. So, like everyone, it's easy to jump on the bandwagon of bemoaning brand new rule sets and how it stymies the development of judo. But I think certainly the last changes they've made, I think, have been really positive for judo. I think they've helped judo look quite attractive. And I guess this rule set is aimed at ironing out those kinks that perhaps didn't make sense from kind of rules announced post Olympics. So things like two shidos for leg grabs as a disqualification, a shido can end a golden score, those things. So big changes, as I say, leg grabs are just a normal shido now. So three are gonna three three leg grabs is is hand sakomaki. Each one is, is a shido. There's no special shido rules there. Um, golden score isn't ended by a shido. It's only gonna be hand sakomaki. The one that I'm not sure about is bringing back the wazari wazeti upon. I think I understand why it's been done. There were perhaps too many golden scores going on at the Worlds. That means there's a lot of matches going further. And this potentially, if you're talking about TV rights, does create scheduling issues. So they've brought back Wazari Wazetti upon, so two Wazaris obviously adds up. However, they've also still got this issue of the watered-down Wazari, and they're now including things that might have been cokers a couple of years ago, so landing on your elbows and hands. So I suspect they'll find they have the opposite problem whereby contests are, are being finished perhaps too quickly because uh, Wazaris are now really easy to come by. I don't know. I would hope that maybe there'll be um, another tweaking of the rules just before Olympic qualification starts in May. Um, or if not, that the referees are uh, given the the opportunity to kind of relax them as they see fit. So I do hope that that tweak happens. I guess the other one that people have been talking about is that effectively strangles and arm locks in Tachiwaza have been banned. So the the big one is, uh, I guess you can't do flying Jujikatami anymore. It's an attractive technique to watch, but I do understand it, I guess. Um, if the rule's always been you can't throw with an arm lock, a flying Juji to me, has always kind of perilously walked that path. I mean, nothing else, it is a throw with an arm lock, perhaps the arm lock's not on, but you're, the intention is to land in a position where you can't escape. I suppose that's all the judo. Um, but, you know, I can see why that's been banned. So I'm, I'm not sure the effect of that. I mean, another strangles and arm locks, I don't think are a factor in, um, certainly in competitive judo. Potentially they're more relevant in randori when you're just playing with your mates. Yeah, so I talked about the watering down of the wazari. Uh, going to now include elbows and, and landing on your elbows and hands. So I guess 
that's really going to change things, especially when two was there is equal in Ippon. But if you look back at the world final, the heavyweight final, um, Tushishvili and Rinna, is that now going to be a different result in the golden score? I think bringing back the two Wazaris is a good thing, but if that's the case, you can't get, you can't, I don't think, have scores that are cokers or formerly cokers adding up to equal the two Ippons. There's a couple of other things like being able to attack your partner um, on the knees and being able to come back up off the ground, which I don't think will play too much of a role. And I, I had always understood that you could attack someone on their knees, you could attempt to throw them. You've only got to go back to Beijing. Um, is Beijing semi-final? Maybe it was uh, Athens Olympic semi-final. Uh, Gonchuk, the Ukrainian, throw in, I think it was Krauchek in the last few seconds where Krauchek's dropped like a poor Sianagi. He's winning the fight and Gonchuk counts it with a Sumagesh while Krauchek's on his knees. And that got Gonchuk a place in the final. So I think the only difference there is that you could score if you both come back up off your knees, one person can go back into Tachiwaza. But I'm not sure if that happens too often or if it doesn't happen too often because the rules are not allowed for it been for now. So it'll be interesting to see the effect that's had. Um, we've had one competition, so that was Tunisia. I didn't get to see much of it, but um, there's some you know, pretty interesting results, I guess for the judo world, but also for potentially British judo going on. Um, uh, I wouldn't want to be 48 kilos right now. There's some horrible, incredible like athletes coming through. Um, you've only got to look at uh, Belodid, who won the event, and then... Uh, Keldy Yurova, who ended up with a fifth place, but both kind of junior cadet champions, junior and cadet world champions from literally just a couple of years ago. They're both like still only 17 or 18 and coming through. So that's quite scary for anyone out there. And I guess the big result for, well, the big result with perhaps implications for the British is, is Ben Fletcher winning his first Grand Prix gold. So it's first for Ben, but also for his new nation of Ireland. Um, I think it's probably a fantastic decision for him that he's moved over to the Irish. And the result shows that any support he's receiving is fully justified and, and demonstrates his ability. And also the result, I guess, for him is a, a way to stick two fingers up at the British judo system. I think everyone knows with centralisation and the way things are planned at the moment, unless you're at the centre... And Ben talked a little bit about this, and a couple of the other guys have talked about this. Unless you're at the centre, you're not going to be funded. I fully support the whole idea of centralisation. I think as an idea, it deserves a proper shot. Um, and I think this kind of performance team have had the conviction to, well, for whatever reasons, maybe it's from UK Sport as well, but they've to deliver it and to kind of stick to their guns in limiting any funding to players outside of the centre. Um, and, and they're doing it in a way that still keeps it open for players if they've got their own source of funding to fund results. I think that, you know, it has to lead to results in Tokyo. And if there isn't results, then you can no longer justify a centralised system. Having said all that, I really do feel for the um, the guys who have been affected by this like it wasn't the system in place when I was competing um, and 
I'm not affected by it, so it's really easy for me to say I want to see the results it can bring him. Yeah, so the, the guys who are affected, I really do hope they can, if they find their way to the, to qualification or to chasing qualification, but I do think it deserves like a shot. So I fully understand why Ben's moved um, and I hope he's getting the support he needs uh, from, from Ireland. Um, I don't know what support he's getting, but I hope it's enough to qualify for Tokyo. He's a massive loss for, for GB Judo, but you know, as he explained in his interview, he wasn't getting any support. Um, and he's followed his sister into the Irish system. I guess the only drawback of um, pursuing a system like centralisation is that if it... I, I don't know what the medal target is for uh, British Judo at Tokyo, but if it's not achieved, um, you, you could see funding for British Judo being massively cut, I guess, effectively damning everyone um, in the process. You know, So all those kind of independent clubs will still be independent, won't get any... Um, new funding coming in to support their athletes to qualify the next Olympic cycle. And at the same time, if, if British Joe do reach their target, centralisation is going to be touted as the, the way forward um, and thrown in the faces of everybody who said it couldn't work. Yeah, effectively, that means as well you're not going to see the independent clubs getting or the independent athletes getting any funding to um, carry on outside the centre. Finally, coming back to the interview today, um, absolutely delighted to to get her on, um, and loved uh, chatting with her. Um, also, I love that she started the completely unfounded rumor that uh, Kayla Harrison maybe may return to the mat in time for Tokyo. Anyway, here's the interview. Hope you enjoy it. It's Natalie Powell. I'm delighted today to say we have on the phone a double European bronze medalist. She's an Olympian from Rio and just recently she's come back with a world bronze medal. It's Natalie Powell. Hi Nat, how are you doing? Hi James, I'm good, thank you. And yourself? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. I've managed to <laughs> wrestle my uh, daughter to bed, so um, all is quiet in the world, I this end. Good, good. Um, so... Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Um, it's great to have like yourself get on here because obviously I know you're very busy. It's starting to get into uh, competition season um, for you guys. So thank you for the time. No problem. To get started, could we? Could you just tell a little bit how you got started in judo and then um, maybe some of the highlights of your career? Yeah, sure. Um, I started back when I was about nine years old and went along to Irvine Judo Club in South Wales where I, where I grew up. Um, I think a few of my friends in school were doing judo, and I was a bit, a bit of a, a bit aggressive when I was a kid, and had a lot of extra energy around the house. So I was like, "Oh, I think it'd be a good idea to take you along to a club." So she took me along, and I never gave up. I think my friends all dropped by the wayside one by one, and then just kept going. Really, so awesome. Yeah, that's how I got going. So, what about some of the highlights of your career then? Um, I think. Um, Getting the World Bronze Medal this year was definitely the highlight for me. Um, I think as well when I got my first European medal, I felt that was that was the best I've felt on the mat. I felt from the beginning of the warm-up it was going to be a good day. So that's another one. And maybe my first Masters medal as well. It was the first time I performed at um, that sort of level. So those probably the three. Oh, and the Commonwealth Games as well, I think. <laughs> yeah, but those four are probably my, 
my highlights. Cool. So, obviously, I want to talk a little bit about Rio. Yeah. And then we'll talk about this performance just last year in the Worlds. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of other things. Right. One of the first things I want to ask is, going into the Worlds, how are you feeling? Um, I was really determined when I went to the Worlds. I think after Rio, I had a bit of time out, um, spent three months travelling to get myself back. I wasn't, I wasn't 100% sure if I wanted to carry on at that point. I felt like I'd put so much into Rio. I felt like I'd given everything for the, the qualifying oh, wow. leading up to it. So... Um, yeah, I wasn't 100% sure that I wanted to come back, but after having a bit of time off, I decided that I was 100% back in, and I moved to Warsaw in January, because everybody had to move there, so it was a massive change for me, but um, yeah, from the beginning of the year, I was 100% motivated, and getting the world medal was like, high on my priority list for last year. So what, what changed then between Rio and Budapest for the Worlds? Like, what was, what was different about you? I think experience. I think in Rio, I wasn't quite ready to... I think I went in wanting to do my best and obviously perform, but I didn't really 100% believe that I was capable of winning it. And okay. I think that showed in my performance. I think I was quite nervous and I probably didn't perform for the best of my ability. I think on my best day, I could have maybe got a bronze, maybe fifth. But I think going away, gathering your thoughts and reflecting all the experiences I had, I realised I was, I, was I was in a good place and I believe that this year I could just take it that one step further and just keep training and I kept chipping away. So um, you were absolutely phenomenal at the Worlds. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> is there a particular fight that stood out to you that when it all clicked and everything was going right? Um, well, the day didn't start off too great. I think I was pretty nervous in the beginning of the day and I felt really tense in the first two fights. Um, I don't think I performed my best in those two. But I think when it comes to the bronze fight against the Kirk... I don't know, someone just yeah. clicked mentally. I just felt like that was my one opportunity to get that one medal and I didn't feel like I could be beaten. It was a long wait into a fight as well. I think it was just about a three-hour bra- um, break where I was just keeping, trying to keep myself psyched up for it. But I just felt like it was my chance and someone just clicked on the day and I feel like that's probably one of my best fights. The strategy went as I wanted it to go and I ended up throwing her as well, which I didn't really think was going to happen before the fight. I was, I was just planning to play it tactically and eventually the throw, throw come so yeah everything just okay. really clicked in that fight awesome had you, had you guys fought before? Uh, yeah we fought quite a lot of times I can't remember what the record is but she's beat me a lot more times than I've beaten her um, okay <laughs> but I just felt like it was it was going to happen on that day really just cool. had it was in I was in the right place at the right time and, and yeah <laughs> it all came together cool. So that sounds like you had a huge um, gap between the medal fights and uh, your fights earlier in the day. What what do you do to fill the time? Um, well, in the last cycle, I used to go to sleep and then wake back up. But I wasn't as good in the second half of the day as I felt like I was in the first. So I've changed my approach this year. And I've not gone to sleep in the break and tried to keep my momentum going throughout the day. So not starting as if it's a new day and warming up again. So I've had a slightly different approach, but it seems to be working better. So I'm going to stick with that one, I think. <laughs> awesome. So let's take a couple of steps back. In 2012, um, obviously London Olympics, um, and you, well, you were you were in the mix for London. Yeah, definitely. Before, so... obviously, Gemma um, changed weight categories, and she had the same opportunities yourselves at the British Open to compete compete for the spot. Yeah, so so it was about 
maybe I haven't started full time training. I've maybe started full time training about six months, maybe eight months before before London. I'd been training most evenings, like a few years before that, but I probably started training full time about six to eight months before that. And there wasn't okay. a chance of going, so I've, I tried my best. I I went to quite a few European Cups at the time, and I won a few of them. So I think it was an, I was a number one seventy eight at the yeah. sele- when the selection came round, um, and then they decided that they would take it to the uh, was it the British Open, and they said yeah. they brought Gemma down the weight, and they said whoever won whoever did best at the British Open would be going. So Gemma won the British Open, and then she was going, and I was ready. so. It was close, but I Did, I was nowhere near the level at that time, and I hadn't put a lot into it previous to that. Okay. I knew I was close, but like on the British level, but on the world level, I was nowhere near. Okay. Did you did you think at any stage that you would be going? Or, um, like was was that the intention at the time? You know, yeah, it was the intention because it was a home game, and they could send one in every way. So, like everybody else, I really wanted to go, but in yeah. my heart, I knew I wasn't at the level. Going going would have been great, and it was possible. Um, but I wasn't at the level to get a medal and I, I didn't deserve to go. I hadn't put four years of like dedication into it. So as it worked out, it just gave me the fuel and the hunger to go on to Rio, really. So um, you come out of London and, and how are you feeling at that stage? Are, are you are you this kind of motivated person? Do you, do you feel you've been so close, you know what you need to do now? Um, yeah, I, did. I felt really motivated after London. I think after, I went to the uh, Olympics to watch and I watched Gemma win a medal and we'd had a few test fights before and I felt like I was really close to her so I felt if she can get a medal then there's no reason why I can't if I if I train hard for the next four years and put in the effort and that's what I did I just kept chipping away just working hard towards it really cool um and and obviously again a few of the guys I've chatted to have all been in similar kind of situations yourself halfway through that Olympic cycle there's a Commonwealth Games mm-hmm. um You've said in one of your interviews with the BBC, <laughs> small <laughs> bit of research I did, um, with, with the, the Commonwealth Games has, all, has always been a target. Was it was something that you always wanted to win. So what what yeah. did it mean being selected for that for, for Wales uh, at a, effectively a home Games? You know, as a kid and everything, it was always the, the Commonwealth Games. I come from Wales. It's such a, a passion for the Commonwealth Games. As kids, all, it's all jumped into our heads. The Olympics isn't really mentioned that much. So I've always wanted okay. to win the Commonwealth Games. So... Yeah, when I got my opportunity, like I was so nervous. I think that's probably one of the most nervous I've ever been on that day. Um, and again, oh, I knew wow. I had I had Gemma to to beat the so the Olympics of medals to beat to to win it. So yeah, it was it was really good. I, it was a really nice moment. Off the top of my head, I can't think of what other kind of major results you'd had at that stage of your career. But certainly beating the Olympic silver medalist in the final is that a point when maybe you you get a little bit more belief in in what you could achieve yeah for sure I think that was really the turning point for me for a number of reasons I think obviously beating Gemma um, in the Commonwealth Games like the one competition I really wanted to to win from a child Um, and then um, I changed coaches at that point as well so I started working with um, Darren Warner just three months before the Commonwealth Um, and since then he's just changed my outlook on judo completely so psychologically, I can't even say the word, psychological, uh, my mental state um, towards yeah. fighting and tactically and just being more professional and everything around you, really, he, he's changed and opened my eyes to and I think my results have just started improving really from then. Cool. Also, I think that's really interesting because obviously Gemma worked a lot with Darren as well. Yeah, because Darren was the British coach for 
the London cycle. So yeah. obviously we were in the British system at that point, but I was under 20, under 23. So I had a bit, a little bit of contact with him, but he was working quite closely with Gemma towards the games and he was probably her, her main coach in the lead up to London. So yeah, I would imagine that was difficult for them both. Right, okay. What, what what was the focus then with you? Is it improving your technique or is it, like you say, is it when he's starting to work with you, is it bringing um, like a mental game plan to the thing? three months sorry. before the Commonwealth, it was just about making believe, really. Um, before, I didn't really have much confidence in what I was doing and didn't really believe that I, I could do anything, really. Um, yeah. So for those three months, he just boosted my confidence and made me believe it was possible. But um, after that, then we started working on tactics and technically and just improving me all round as an athlete, really. Awesome. Coming out of the commie games, do you take any time off or are you straight back into training for Rio? No, straight away. I think we didn't even get, I don't. I didn't even get a night out in the Commonwealth Games. We had to go straight to oh, Portugal no. for, uh, um, a, what was it, a prep camp before the world that year? So we were just running around a track for a week while everybody else was partying in the Commonwealth. So you didn't so get a chance to celebrate? No, it was quite a come down, actually. <laughs> okay, going through that Olympic cycle, when did you know you'd qualified? Not until right until the end. It was it was so close to me and Gem all the way. I think, I think I was always slightly ahead on the ranking list, but when you come down to the criteria, it was how many people you'd beaten in the top eight, how many Grand Slam medals you went. And I think we were pretty even. I think we'd both beaten eight top play, eight players each. And I think she won. She got a Tokyo medal uh, in at the end of 2015 in the Grand Slam. Yeah. So she was just ahead at that point. Um, I got injured just before the end of that year, and she got a medal when I was out. And then I was like, okay, right, it's on now. So then 2016, it was just tit for tat. And then it came down to the Masters and Europeans at the end of the year. Um, so we we both actually fought each other in both of those competitions. I fought her in Europeans for bronze. And I fought her in, I think, the second or third round in Masters. So there was really high-pressure fights for both of us, really. Right, OK. Having that rivalry, did that kind of help bring out the best in you? Or is that is it is it a kind of pressure that you didn't need at that time? Or? I think it did me the world of good. I, I think I improved so much from having that pressure of the head-to-head constantly. Um, yeah, I don't think I would have reached nearly as high the level I did if, if I had to have Gemma pushing me step away really. I'm kind of glad I haven't got anyone right on my tail right than that. It's a little bit of time off the question yeah. but at that time I think it was the best thing for me. Cool. So obviously you've achieved quite a few firsts in your career. So you became the first Welsh female to compete at the Olympics, is that right? Yeah, I believe so. And then obviously late last year you were the first British female to be world number one which is very cool. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. What was your first Olympics like? What was that experience like for you? Um, it was really cool. It was like it was like no other experience I've ever had. It's just you kind of experience every sort of emotion. I think in the lead-up, I was just so excited. Every day we'd go to the competition and you get all really excited and nervous for the British player that's fighting. And then you'd have the same the next yeah. day and the next day. I was like getting emotionally drained. And then was obviously Sal won the day before I fought. So then I was over yeah. like over the moon for her. And then I fought and then and then I was really sad. <laughs> so um yeah, the last few days after I fought, uh, like was You really were really crazy. sad. Yeah. Even I was really upset like because you finished with seventh, which is yeah. let's be honest, a phenomenal result. And obviously like now you can see what you could achieve but you were you disappointed I just, yeah I was disappointed because I don't think I thought as well as 
I could have done. I think first I was okay. I feel like the second two, I, I don't think I fulfilled my potential. I think if I'd fought as well as I could and then come off, and I would be happy with seventh, but I feel like there was a little bit more, more to give. So, yeah, I was, oh. I was pretty good. Okay, so coming out of Rio, you've talked about how you had thoughts about kind of calling it a day. What was it that drew you back to Judah? I think after I had a few weeks off to get over, you don't realise how stressed you are in that period either. It's so emotionally draining. I think after having a couple of months off then, just to refuel really and just relax, yeah. I think then you get the, the love for Judah back again and... I really wanted to go again. I think I even did trials that year after doing a couple of weeks of training. Whereas oh, really? about Brilliant. two months before, I was like, nah, no more judo, that's it, <laughs> I'm done. But I think Oh, it was you, just... you were that adamant that judo was done? No, not adamant, but it was. I definitely didn't want to do judo. I didn't do any exercise or anything for about two, two and a half months. Like, it was the last okay. of my mind. And that's that's not really me at all. I'm quite active. I like to go out and do stuff all the time. But, um, yeah. No, it just takes so much <laughs> out of you. <laughs> and I think I didn't realise how much it had taken out of me until I like just stopped and chilled out for a little bit. Awesome. So you've, yeah, you've had a world-beating performance last year. You've ended up uh, world number one. Go to the Masters. Um, you finished the year as, as world number two. What possibly could your goals be for for like I guess the year ahead? I know with Olympic qualification starting, what what are you aiming for? Uh, obviously, I want to qualify for Tokyo. So that's at the forefront but I'd really like to win Europeans and Worlds those are my my two main like night targets for the next next well the next three awesome. years really. hopefully I can do it at one of them <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> cool so did you have any time off over Christmas then or are you one of these um, people who like to say that you've been training every day you, <laughs> you like to have trained on Christmas day do you know what? This is the first Christmas I've actually had it off and not really done a lot at all. I think I've always done exams, <laughs> yes, or studying or training or something. But no, this this year I had two weeks. I did do a few weight sessions in the last week, but the first week was completely off, which I haven't done before. So it was really nice, actually. Awesome. No, that's really good. I was always one of those people who like to say done something on Christmas Day. I still like to do a little bit on Christmas Day. I, I did do um, a weight session on Christmas Day, actually. Did you? Fantastic. I did, yeah. That was one of my sessions. But it's awesome. always nice to do it when nobody else is, isn't it? Yeah. it's um, There's always something about it you feel that you can tell yourself you're working hard. <laughs> Yeah. Although I'm sure absolutely everybody fits a, a session in on Christmas Day. For the exact <laughs> it's probably same the reason. case, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Um, so the, at Warsaw, how how are you are you still training in Wales at all? Do you get back there and work with Darren anymore? Or? Um, so at the moment, well, for the last year, we tried to Darren's been coming down once a week, and I've been trying to get back to Wales once a week. Okay. So it, it's been working quite well at the moment, actually. It's been a, it's been a really difficult year with all the changes and moving support teams, moving places and houses and it's been a it's been a bit of a roller coaster. But yeah. I, I think we're in quite a good place now. Um it's working really well with Darren still. I've still got a lot of contact with him and that was my main worry coming here really. Um I've got such a good relationship with him and I feel like he's the person that can take me to the to Tokyo and win the medal I want to win. So um awesome. yeah, it's really important that I can still work with him and I can so um yeah, no, it's it's good at the moment. So, uh, who are you rooming with when you're at Warsaw? Um, so, I'm living with Sal at the moment. So, I okay. bought a house in Warsaw and, yeah, she's living with me at the moment. So, that's really good as well. Fantastic. And training with Sal is really good as well because you don't really get many opportunities to train with Olympic medalists and 
it's something I haven't had before, so I get the best training partner I can. So it's, it's really good. Like so, obviously, World Masters Team GB qualified. Perhaps, well, a massive team of women. Why? What's making British yeah. women so strong right at the moment? Um, I don't know what the answer is. Like, isn't it? <laughs> I think we've always, I think we've always been strong, but I think medal. Like everyone seems to be chipping away and getting medals. I think once one person starts getting a medal. It kind of follows, I don't know, success breeds success, I think. And and we're really lucky as well. We've got um, so many men to train with. The guys are so much harder because they haven't got that quality of randori and training partners on a day-to-day basis. Whereas okay. if, you look, if you look at the center, we've got maybe three, four, sixty-threes, three, four, fifty-sevens. There's so yeah. many bodies for them and they're all like world-class players. So you can definitely see how the improvements are getting made, particularly in the middleweights with 57, 53, 70s. Um, we just got such depth at the moment, I think, in those ways. Fantastic. And then is it more of a challenge for yourself? Because obviously you are that bit bigger. Um, yeah. Is it more of a challenge for you to find bodies? Or can you yeah. work with the lighter men as well? Or? Um, yeah, the lighter men is obviously really good for me. Uh, but some of them are too, when they get to the work Grand Prix World Cup level, they're, they're too good for me then, to be honest. But okay. um, the 70s girls are all really good for me. Um, but I think with most of the cases now so we just need to get out of the country really and um, go abroad to training camps I spent quite a few weeks in Japan at the end of last year which was brilliant for me I, I've not been out this, this year was the first time I went out to Japan I couldn't believe how much improvement I made in such a short period of time so I think, oh, I think this was bit, just the first time you've been out to Japan yeah I went out in yeah so I went out in March at the beginning of the year and I was like, oh, oh my wow. God, this is the best thing ever. So I went out again <laughs> at the end. I went, went out again at the end of the year. I just couldn't believe how yeah. quick I improved. So I'm going again now back to that. Where did you go? Uh, first time we went to the national training and then we went to Tokyo, I think. And then yeah. the second time I went to Yamanashi, Tokyo and Yokoshikan. Oh, amazing. Did you, spend, did you spend a lot of time in Japan? Um, only in the run-up to London. It was really, really cool. Um Again, like I'd never been before, and then in the six months before London, I think we went out for a couple, well, a couple of months worth of that overall, and it's just an incredible, like so good, the number it? of bodies and people who just want to fight, and yeah, the the level across the boards, even people you've never seen before and you never will see, yeah, who are not anywhere near the national team who are just breaking people and throwing you everywhere. It's, a, it's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. Because I, I still haven't beaten a Japanese person in a competition. So that's... Oh, that's right, you, okay. asked, you asked me one of my goals for this year, so I think that should be one of my goals. I think I need to... Yeah. I need to get over that and beat one of them, I think. Because they seem to well, be that's... my sticking point at the moment. Okay, that's quite interesting. So I was going to ask you, who are going to be your main rivals going into the Olympics? Um, yeah. You've said there's no one really domestically at the moment, but um, if we're looking, hopefully, at, I, I presume an Olympic medal is one of your goals. Yeah. Who, who's going to be your, your main rivals? Um, I'd say the Brazilian Aguirre. Um, she's been consistent over the last, well, probably eight to 12 years now, I think. And she's medaled in the last two games. And then whoever the Japanese friend will definitely be. Um, really tough, particularly for me. Um, cool. There's also Taylor as well. I don't know if she's going to make a comeback. <laughs> she's always oh, okay, a possibility. It... I don't know. Do she's always that... said she's retired, but I don't know. I wouldn't a count third her Olympic gold medal might tempt, tempt maybe, her. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Cool. Have you uh, fought her before? Oh, so Taylor. Yeah, I fought her a couple of times. I lost to her twice. Okay. So hopefully, what was what was that her. like competing against an Olympic champion? Um, it was. Yeah, it was 
difficult. I think it was my first competition I ever went away, um, my first World Cup, and it was the first oh, fight really? of the day. And I didn't know who she was at this point. She wasn't an Olympic champion, but she was world champion at this point. I went stepping right. on the mat, and then they announced in the white, Kayla Harrison, Olymp- uh, world champion. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I thought... Oh, God, literally I said, as you're I'm, stepping on. Yeah, literally as I stepped oh, on, I awful. found out then that she was world champion because I was completely oblivious to everyone, who everyone was at that point. So my first experience fighting there wasn't, wasn't great. <laughs> right, thing, okay. Uh, so my second time for it was... That was in the final of the Masters. Um, yeah. So... It was a really good day until I fought her and then lost. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, not, so, not a great record against Kayla. Okay, but I like that you're starting the uh, conspiracy theory that she's she might be on the way back. <laughs> yeah. See if we can get the rumour spread. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Eh? Although I'm not sure enough people listen to this to, <laughs> to hear it. Um, <laughs> cool. So we're kind of coming to the end now. So I'm going to ask you some of my, I guess... Uh, more standard questions, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Um, if if um, what's the best bit of advice you could give give to a young athlete if they came up to you and they said they wanted to achieve what Natalie Powell has achieved? Um, I think it's just all about working really hard and looking at what you need to improve. I think you just need to keep trying to be better than what you were yesterday. I think people get too caught up on beating certain people and getting certain results. I think if you just keep getting better in yourself, improving your technique, um, getting fitter, getting stronger, I think the results just come then. I think you just need to focus on the process, really. Cool. Is that then, is that easy to do when you have, like, such a close rival? Do you, do you, is he able to keep the focus on yourself or do you start worrying about what that other person's doing? I think naturally you do start worrying about it, but I think you just need to keep bringing it back because when you start letting your thoughts carry away with you, I think that's when it all goes down the pan. Well, in my experience, anyway. I think okay. I to keep bringing cool. it back to what I can do because at the end of the day, you can only control what what you can do yourself, really. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal. Um, that um, well, that is true. You can't control anything else that's happening, but you can control kind of your performance. Mm-hmm. Um, could you recommend me then two fights? Um, one would be, I guess a fight that really represents your style of fighting one that's you're really proud of and you and you show people that's Natalie Powell um, and then another one that you find is either really inspirational or you think just sums up judo perfectly um, so one that sums up judo I was going to say the Ollie Bishop and Travis one but I noticed somebody said that last <laughs> so I'm not going to say that one um, I've had that said about four times I keep telling a... people they can't bring it up <laughs> such a good fight though wasn't it um so i think uh the slovenian in london under 63s and the chinese in the final i think all day um she had she was just fighting to win she was just fighting to throw um and i think that is just what judo is really she wasn't scared of losing she was just going out to win and all her fights all day but particularly the chinese in the final um she fought really well okay and then one of your own um, my fight. I think the world this year for bronze against uh, the Kirk. I think, yeah, yeah I just dominated the grips. Like I said, I had to do a step to a tactic. Um, I got the judos on it, and then I managed to end the Noichi Gary for ten. So I think that probably sums up my sort of fight really when it works. <laughs> awesome. What? Um, how would you describe your style of fighting? Um, I think it's just kind of aggressive and relentless and just 
keep going until they they make a mistake and then try and <laughs> try and um, uh, get a score. Then really cool. No, I love it. I don't know the. Um, did you say it was the fight from London, 63's final? Yeah, the Savinia. Is that there? Yes. Well, all day really. She was just she was just going out to win. You know, like on the Olympics, sometimes you see people they kind of um, clam up a bit and don't really show their you yeah. know because they're so nervous. But she just from the start, she just looked like she was just going out to throw everybody. And are you um, are you looking forward to having uh, Bischoff down at the training centre next yeah, week? Yeah, it should week? be really good actually. Yeah, he's coming on Monday. I think we've got quite a lot of technique sessions booked in with him. So, yeah, no, it should be really good. Cool. It'd be good to... I might try and uh, drag myself along just to, to watch. And, and see yeah, no, you should. Pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Are you off to Paris? I am, yeah, hopefully. I was meant to go to Tunisia this again, but I hope my coccyx in the Mittersil, so hopefully Paris. Oh, okay. Yeah. How was Mittersil? Um, Did you go sledging? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I had a bad experience with sledging the first time I went. <laughs> Fell off my sled, oh, really? lost my sleigh, ripped my trousers all up the middle, was freezing, lost oh, in the no. middle of snow. So, nah, no sledge. <laughs> but Awesome. Natalie, thank you so much mm. for coming on. Um, are no you problem. on social media? If people want to find out a little bit more, where where can they find you? Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. I don't know what my Instagram name is, but my Twitter is NatalieT underscore 90. Awesome. I think maybe my answer's the same. It might be the same. Um, well, I'm sure Pete managed to find you off the back of that. Are you um, are you promoting anything at the moment? Are you doing master classes or like or? No, nothing at the moment. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, uh, absolutely brilliant to have you on. Um, all the best for this year. What I would quite like to do is um, just kind of check in with people maybe towards the end of the year, just to get an update on how qualifications going, how they found the year. If that's cool, it'd be great to have you back on. Yeah, sure, no problem at all. So, yeah, thank you very much. No, no speak problem. Speak to you soon. Nice to speak to you, too. Bye bye. Massive thanks to Natalie for coming on uh, the podcast. Really appreciate her giving her time. Um, I know certainly the next few months are going to be really busy, start judo season. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the interview and didn't mind me babbling on too long right at the start as well. Um, I had a couple of guys saying, you know, they want to know a little bit about some of the judo news, so I thought I might as well try and get some of it in. Anyway, hopefully back in the next week or so with Chris. If you've enjoyed the show, or even if you haven't, please go and leave a positive five-star review on iTunes. Share it, give us a retweet. Catch you later.